Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with stars, creators, and industry leaders on Broadway and beyond. I'm Gordon Cox. A few years ago, the hit kids show Blues Clues returned to TV in a new version called Blues Clues and You, and it found its host on Broadway. Joshua De La Cruz came to Blues Clues after appearing on stage in shows including Here Lies Love and Aladdin. And now he's making his way back to Broadway, sort of, and he's bringing Blue with him. After four seasons and counting of Blue's Clues and You, De La Cruz stars in a new movie musical on Paramount Plus, Blue's Big City Adventure. In it, De La Cruz's character, also named Josh, travels with Blue to New York City to audition for a Broadway show. And along the way, he meets theater stars including B.D. Wong, Ali Stroker, Philippa Sue, and Stephen Pasquale. Now De La Cruz is in the virtual studio with me to talk Broadway role models, backstage antics at Aladdin, and why working on Blue's Clues is a lot like acting in a black box theater that's green. Hi, Josh. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Gordon. So it seems to me that in working on Blue's Clues and you, you spend a lot of time acting in front of a green screen, often alone. Um, And then all of a sudden in Blue's Big City Adventure, you get to work with real people and you go to New York City and you shoot big song and dance numbers in Times Square and Central Park and, you know, just outside Grand Central. How big of an adjustment was that working with all those elements that aren't usually part of Blue's Clues? You know, it's really funny because many things are much simpler and easier because you don't have to imagine so much. But the thing that, Mm. uh, is always the constant is that you always kind of have to imagine where blue is. And um, on set, we typically get like pieces of tape. And then if we have to be really, really specific and um, we'll get like a tennis ball, but that's a very rare occurrence. So we typically just kind of like go by feel. I think 
uh, now that we're going into our fifth season next year, um, I have a pretty mm. general, like a pretty good idea of like where blue is at all times. And then uh, the director will, will adjust eyeline from there. But on set, uh, when we filmed the movie, because we're in a 3D space, the animation department at um, at Boxell, they needed all this information for light. And so we actually had uh, a blue uh, a blue ball with eyes and like fake ears. I don't actually know if we had ears. Like there were definitely eyes that they would walk around uh, uh, with me for one pass just so that um, they could get the information that they needed. But for me, I, that was like the biggest help ever because once that left, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's where that is. Um, but it was it's 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 a pretty wild experience. It's kind of like going from rehearsing in a black box theater. And then um, going on stage and then getting all the sets and the props and the costumes and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, only, you know, just, just in terms of uh, having to use your imagination uh, in a different way once you get to, once you get on stage. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I know there are like, you know, you sing little bits of song in the show and things like that. And there's music and some dance like all throughout. But this feels like the most kind of musical theatery of the thing of the work you have done with that show. Is that right? Yeah, I think it really goes with uh, the scope of the, the project, because in mm. when we're filming the show, we have four days to get it done. And there's right. typically no rehearsal. So we're um kind of doing it on the day and then uh, just kind of going. And our, our composer, P.T. Walkley, is amazing on the show and um, is able to create these incredible songs in like maybe a 30-second span. Um, mm. And then now we're in a movie and Seth Bink, the executive music producer, and, uh, and everyone at Music Box, they have like a minute 30 sometimes three minutes to 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 get this uh to get this song out so the scale just grows um it's definitely the most musical theater it's been i mean we had so many broadway dancers that were uh like daylighting because i guess they weren't moonlighting and <laughs> yeah. yeah they're uh they're performing at night and so like they're out in the wild during the day that are uh that are in our movie and we're so so thankful for it um, but it's definitely the most musical theater that we're able to be just because we have so much time and so much space. Yeah. And how long was the shoot compared? It's four days per episode. Is that what, is that what it is? Um, and then how long so was the So it's typically four days an episode. Yeah. And the movie, we had 20 days of filming. And um, I think we had something like uh, a week of dance rehearsal. So, I mean, you know, if, if we're comparing... Um, <laughs> like Blue's Big City Adventure with, I think West Side Story, uh, the Spielberg version, they had, um, I think months of rehearsal to, to kind of get the choreography down and then get all the music right. So once they got on set, it was just like, you know, bam. Um, but thankfully our choreographers, Lindsay Holloman, uh, sorry, no, Craig Holloman and Lindsay Bobbarb, they're amazing. I would love to see their work on a Broadway stage just because it's so fresh and just the way that they, know how to use the space it's uh it would not be what it was in so short a period of time without them um yeah it's it's wild i not a lot of time i think elf was about 20 days i think they they took 20 days to film that as well <laughs> yeah yeah and the how did 
discussions of the film you said you've done uh you've done four seasons you're going into your fifth season what when did discussions of the movie come up and uh was it in was the plot line was the storyline of it inspired by you know the work that you had done in the past yeah you know it's so funny i knew i think around like season three and going into season four i knew that they wanted to do a movie and I knew that Angela was writing it. And uh, Angela Santamero, uh, the one half of our creative team, um, she was writing it. And uh, she's a huge fan of Broadway. And so when I came onto the show, we were able to nerd out about that. And um, But I didn't know that it was coming so soon. I was actually in, um, in Arizona uh, visiting my nephew. They, like all the families got together to finally... Uh, to meet our nephew because he was born in February of 2020. Mm. Uh, so we were all in Arizona. I was not in any sort of shape. And then I get a, a, an email from my agent being like, hey, they're gonna film a movie. Here's the script. I'm like, oh my gosh, amazing. Wait, is this on location? This is awesome. And I'm like, when is this? They're shooting in like two months. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> so it went from like zero to 60. I technically knew about the movie a few years ago but i didn't know that we were going to film the movie until mm -hmm. maybe like two months before so i had to hightail it back to new york um work with a, our trainer uh to get back into shape and then um work with uh, Lindsay and craig to try to get the choreography down before we got to set <laughs> right did you, you probably don't do a ton of dancing uh or at least not like the kind of dancing you do in the film uh in the show no, not anymore. You know, it's yeah. um, we, we're we're turning over twenty six episodes in a season, and right. so uh, and it's only I think our we have to be like twenty two minutes is is the running time for our show, um, right. so we don't get a lot of time. But those two mm. uh, those few moments that we do get some some time to dance are are always super special to me because it's such a a big part of my life and my career and and why I'm even in the show in the first place. Yeah, yeah. You also have some fun guest stars in the film. You've got B.D. Wong and Ali Stroker and Philippa Sue and Stephen Pasquale. How much did you get a chance to uh, interact with them? And did you know any of them? Had you worked with any of them previously? You know what? It's so funny because to to talk about Ali, I mm. always thought like, wow, she looks so familiar. Um, mm. And I saw the first time I saw her on stage was in the Deaf West Theater production of uh, Spring Awakening, and I was just blown yeah. away. Um, yeah. And I was like, Stroker, that is so familiar to me. Like, not from her professional life, but I'm like, I feel like we've met personally. And mm. so we get to set. Uh, she's amazing. She's magnetic. She's an amazing scene partner. And we're, we start talking between the scenes. I'm like, you know, I feel like. I know you, where are you from? And then she says, New Jersey. And of course the, the, the follow-up is like, where in New Jersey? Uh, so we lived in uh, next door to each other. In, 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 uh, she lived in Ridgewood and I lived in uh, New Milford. And um, the reason I felt like I knew her was because I went to Paper Mill uh, Playhouse's summer conservatory with her sister. And um, so like, that's where that connection came from. And this is like years in the making ever since I saw her in, uh, in Glee and in, um, in uh, Spring Awakening, I was like, I know her, bro. I know. Mm. Uh, so that, that was like a long time coming. But, you know, 
having BD Wong part of the movie, they, I sent the list of like dream people that I would love to work with. Not that mm. anybody asked, but I was like, <laughs> you know, for, I would love to see, <laughs> I would love to see, um, an Asian American play the director in the movie. It's something that is very personal to me because something that I would like to, uh, that I aspire to be in the future is to direct. Mm. And I wanted to have that modeled for kids that, you know, they can, um, aspire to be different parts of the industry, not just actors, but also, oh, I'd love to be a director one day. I'd love to be a producer um, mm. and, you know, help with that diversity on the other side of the table. It's getting better. It still has a long way to go on Broadway, but it is getting better. And so when BD said yes, you know, I was floored because the reason why I was in theater was because I knew uh, that there was a path via his work. Um, and so that was huge for me. And so... I met Steve Pasquale on set very briefly. Um, and I have a bootleg of Steven Pasquale singing, what is it about her that <laughs> is like on my phone and I listen to it from time to time. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. And the fact that like, we just got to share oxygen for a little bit was like the coolest thing to me. And um, I wish I were on set uh, when Philippa was filming because she's another, <laughs> Uh, a huge, huge part of my, um, I guess, identity because she kind of set up the contemporary musical theater world for uh, Asian Americans. And it's, mm. it's, it's something that is like, that was so impactful to me. You have a deep history uh, in theater and in Broadway. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit more about that. I know you were in Aladdin on Broadway for a a few years is that right yeah yeah yeah, I yeah was how long for, and what did I you think do almost five years i started in 2014 and um i was an aladdin understudy and then i eventually became an iago understudy which was a lot of fun and then um between adam jacobs and telly young i took over for uh, a few months and so the role was hmm. mine um and that was a really really special time to uh, get to play like in the driver's seat, not just as uh, somebody coming in to cover. And, uh, you know, I, I lived a lot of my life uh, and learned a lot in that show uh, because of everyone that I worked with. Yeah. And were you in Aladdin when you auditioned or got the role for in Blue's Clues? Yeah, we were. Yeah. Uh, I was I remember when I got the audition, I was in the bunker because uh, in the show, um, the elevator traffic is just too hectic for uh, for all the ensemble people to keep coming in uh, up and down the stairs. Um, mm. So we're underneath the stage, uh, like directly underneath the stage. And uh, I remember getting the email from my agents and I looked back and I was like, oh, shoot, Blue's Clues is, is auditioning. Dope. And so we're all family downstairs. And so we they helped me get ready for my audition. And then word mm. got around that I was auditioning for Blue's Clues. And out of nowhere, somebody starts singing the male song and then everybody started singing the male song. And then like during the show, there was like a, a huge like, male. and I remember over the loudspeaker, our stage manager's like quiet in the bunker, please quiet. In the <laughs> so I was, uh, I was downstairs during a show um, uh, doing Aladdin uh, when I was getting ready for the audition and when I found out about it. And what appealed to you about the opportunity? What was what was interesting about it to you? Um, I 
I never thought that I would be in children's television. I have to be honest. Like, it's not something that I aspired uh, uh, to be. Um, it's not a place that I aspired to be. And when I got the audition, I just treated it like every other audition. I knew it, that I was at a point where I wasn't going to get the official contract to be Aladdin. Um, I was a really valuable understudy. And I loved the people that I was working with and I still loved the job, but there was something else. There was something tugging, like I wanted more. And if I wasn't going to be Aladdin, um, then what is that thing? And I kind of like went back and forth. Well, should I go back to school, get my master's? I really love teaching. Um, uh, do I, I was exploring photojournalism for a little bit. And then when I got this role, I thought, Oh shoot, I used to watch this show with my little sister. And um, some of my favorite memories are, you know, sitting watching the show with my sister on my aunt's pink rug uh, because she had cable and we didn't. And um, <laughs> those good memories kind of came back to me. And then after every audition and after every callback, I realized, oh, is this the thing that I was looking for? Mm. And the before my final um, screen test, I went and I saw the Mr. Rogers documentary, uh, mm. like the week of uh, the final screen test. And Mr. Rogers is somebody that was so important to me. Uh, the lights went down. We watched the documentary. It was a, it was right before a matinee. So I think I saw a 10 a.m. show. Uh, saw the show, credits roll, and no one moves, and then credits stop. And then there's just a collective sniff from everybody. We're just like... <sighs> And it was at that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, you really, really, really want this job, Josh. And I told my wife, I was like, I don't want to say it out loud because, you know, I don't want to be too disappointed if I don't get it. But, man, I really want this job. And uh, fortunately, everything worked out. And I still love this job to this day. I would do it forever. I'll have more with Josh right after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And now, here's more with the actor and host of Blues, Clues, and You, Joshua De La Cruz. You are the first Asian-American Pacific Islander to host a major children's TV show. Um, and you've talked a little bit about your role models in the, in the theater space, but tell us about the ways uh, your job now is meaningful to you in, in that respect. You know, it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, Leia Salonga and BD Wong were, mm. are still so important to me uh, to this day. Um, but when I was younger, they were able to play three-dimensional characters uh, that had depth. They were never the butt of the joke. Um, they were, uh, you know, they were able to play real characters that uh, I wanted to play. Um, and 
so I knew like, oh, I could do that. I could, I could, I could be in theater. And then once I got to Aladdin and I had worked with some amazing companies, the company of Here Lies Love, which was a, yeah. a mostly Filipino cast uh, telling a Filipino story. And then I got to um, Aladdin that had a cast that was so diverse, not just in ethnicity, but also in age. So you have uh, the, the whole spectrum of, of experience that uh, like a wealth of knowledge that everybody was like family. And so we could have real conversations um, and learn about, you know, what is, what is the importance of seeing yourself reflected on screen? And so now that I get to be in this job and I get to celebrate being Filipino, but I was not cast because they needed a Filipino. That's one of the greatest gifts that I could have ever asked for. You know, it's one thing to be cast because they needed to be a Filipino. But then for me growing up as a, a, a Filipino American immigrant, um, being cast as just Josh, that is also Filipino is, was huge to me. And so it always gets me whenever I get texts from friends of uh, family friends and friends of friends or whenever people see me on the street um, and they thank me uh, for representing. And, you know, I, I do feel uh, I'm so humbled by it. I'm so thankful to be there. Uh, but I also have to acknowledge that I didn't get here on my own. It took a huge community, whether it be my family sacrificing so that I could study and be here, whether it be my, um, uh, my wife uh, supporting me emotionally and preparing, helping me prepare for auditions and, and just being that rock. And uh, to all the people like producers, um, Sarah Landy, uh, uh, Angel Santamero, Tracy Page Johnson, everyone that took a risk and said like, no, this is our guy. Um, even though he's not the traditional, um, the traditional type, uh, like those people are responsible for me representing in the way that I am now. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's humbling. It's humbling. And I hope that even if you don't see yourself represented uh, in whatever field that you love, that, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't be that person to um, open that door for everyone else. And I just hope that kids like walk away from our show with possibility, like mm -hmm. to keep dreaming and to, to, uh, to work hard to try to achieve those dreams. Yeah. What did you find was most, in what ways did you find that working on Broadway prepared you for the work as it exists for Blue's Clues? What, what, in what ways do they overlap? Yeah, you know what? They're, I don't think they're, in the entertainment world, uh, hmm. in the entertainment world as an actor, uh, a Broadway actor um, is one of the most hardest working uh, um, people. They're some of the hardest hmm. working people out there, um, especially if they're in the Broadway schedule, uh, or if, even if you're not on Broadway, if you're in regional and you're just working that schedule, um, yeah. the schedule is grueling. It's eight times a week. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you're not performing, um, a lot of the people that you, you're, you're watching when you're seeing a Broadway show are either injured or sick. And uh, they're mm -hmm. giving the performance of their lives every single night. And a lot of people don't uh, realize that. Like, isn't it fun? It is fun, for sure. It, it's absolutely fun. It's the dream. But the mm -hmm. work part is not being able to see your family because on top of the eight shows a week, you have up to two days of rehearsal. And then when you're not at rehearsal and when you're not at the show, you're 
at the gym just to make sure that your body is in working order. Um, and when you're not at the gym, you're at physical therapy to get your body into working order. And it's this whole cycle. Um, it's, it's a pretty grueling, grueling schedule. And because I did that for five years, and we were so fortunate to have physical therapy at the theater, I tore my meniscus um, the first year of the show and then came back from injury and being able to work with physical therapists and talking with other castmates um, about how to take care of yourself so that you can do those eight shows a week. Like all of that helped me, uh, continues to help me to this day do this job because mm. while we do have a better work schedule, we're Monday through Friday. I haven't had a, I haven't had a weekend off since like high school. So this is amazing. Like, wow, this is how the world <laughs> lives. Um, a lot of people in the world live. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, but you know, uh, I am the only person on set, so I have to take care of myself. Mm. Um, so being able to employ, uh, that self-care routine into my everyday life, uh, doing this job is, uh, is invaluable. Um, I could not do this job without that knowledge and I could not do it as well, especially because, you know, like with the movie, we're in full like movie musical mode and, uh, that 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 was pretty pretty grueling i think i had a mm. uh, a hip issue i mm. definitely uh my plantar fasciitis got worse for sure <laughs> yeah. but i think that's mm -hmm. also age so. yeah. <laughs> and dancing on concrete i would imagine with <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely. absolutely and what was the biggest learning curve for you on for your tv work for going into blues clues in particular it's learning how to use it, uh, the frame. Um, I think mm. that that was the biggest thing. Whenever I talk to stage actors about uh, what it's like to work on in TV, they just talked about, oh, well, you just have to know how to use the frame. And I always like heard that phrase and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, it's bigger and then it's smaller for film and TV. And it's a very general uh, thing to say, but it's true. Um, but for theater actors that are, are, are curious about it um it's essentially a smaller proscenium right <laughs> so like the proscenium is just smaller so everything shrinks but it's so much more nuanced um especially with our show because of the eye lines and the way it works i'm a huge camera nerd and so i love no uh learning about lensing choices and um like why things are done in camera this way so i guess that would be the most uh difficult part to get used to is learning how to not just act on screen um that's really really adjustable it's it's learning to act on green screen with an animated uh <laughs> with an animated uh pup uh puppy and a right. host of other characters just so that it looks like i'm actually looking at them <laughs> yeah and have you developed a philosophy or a technique around how you talk to and interact with uh, young young audiences and how you kind of uh, approach them as a as an actor? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Um, they when I first got the job, everyone came up to me. Steve Burns, Donovan Patton, the creators of the show, the producers. They were like, "The character at home is the most important character in the show." And we, we never want to talk down to them. We never want to be pedantic. We, we, we want to make sure that we are talking to an emotionally intelligent human being. And so to me, 
knowing that it's like, well, how would I like to be talked to, <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. we have to slow things down um, uh, just so that uh, it's uh, things are easily understood and ideas are, are communicated clearly. Um, and we have an entire research division devoted to making sure that I do that at every stage of the script and even in post-production. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing that uh, it's kind of just like, well, how would I would have liked to be talked to? Um, right. And that's the most important thing. You want to feel listened to. You want to feel empowered. Um, you want to be taken seriously. Um, and even when you're being silly, uh, you know, you want to be, you want to be appreciated. And and so a lot of that is goes back to that old uh, uh, saying of like treat others the way that you want to be treated. And that's 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 kind of how I talk to people, uh, talk to the kids on the other side of the camera. Yeah. Have you found that there is any way that there are any ways in which the like the fans and enthusiasts of Broadway and the fans and enthusiasts of a show like Blues Clues are they similar in any ways? Um, yeah, really, really similar. I think our show is like really um, uh, unique uh, in the fact that the kids that watched Blues Clues when the show first premiered in '96, mm -hmm. a lot of them are uh, adult, well, they're adults now, not a lot mm. of them. Um, yeah. But it's something that is a part of their childhood, especially uh, uh, the back end of, of millennials. And mm. so we have that in common, like Steve and Donovan, uh, Steve and Joe, they're our Mr. Rogers. Um, right. And so we have that in common. Steve you know? and Joe, and we I should think... say for listeners, sorry, Steve and Joe, yeah. we should say for listeners who might no. not be Blue's Clues, uh, uh, conversant um, are the two previous hosts of uh, Blue's Clues, the original yeah. version in the late 90s, early aughts. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So beg, beg your pardon. Go on. I, no, no, no. no. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's so important. Steve, uh, Steve Burns <laughs> plays Steve and Donovan Patton played Joe um, and plays mm -hmm. Joe uh, today. Um, but I think we yeah. have a lot in common, um, especially in the fact that in the way that um, if you're a musical theater actor, and a lot of people ask me uh, the way that you mm -hmm. asked me, you know, what's the difference? What's it like to work on green screen? Um, you know, if you study musical theater, uh, you pretty much don't have any props. You don't have any set. You don't have any costume. Uh, you're wearing like a t-shirt and jeans and sneakers. And that's pretty much what it's like working on Blue's Clues. You're in a green screen, but it's just a green black box theater. And so mm -hmm. um, a lot of that is translatable. Uh, but I think we have a lot in common just in the way that we as as musical theater lovers um, uh, uh, love empathy, uh, place an importance on empathy, uh, you know, learning about different people that we might not agree with in real life. Um, we love songs. We love dancing. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our show especially... Um, in our run of Blues Clues and View really leans into that. Um, and I think that's why when they w decided to make a movie, they were like, well, let's make it a, a, a musical. Uh, we all love musicals and Blues Clues has always had great songs. And especially now that um, uh, P.T. Walkley is at the helm of our show, uh, we continue to have great songs. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a few minutes earlier that you would do this job forever if you could. Um, but when you look ahead, what do you see 
yourself doing in addition or alongside? Do you see stage working into your career again, uh, looking forward? Absolutely. I had the the fortune of uh, when I was in New York, uh, when I was in New York for uh, Thanksgiving, um, I've always wanted to direct and I especially want to direct um, theater. Mm. Uh, so that's definitely something that's in my future uh, that I aspire to, to do. Uh, but also I saw my dear friend, Rob McClure in, um, mm -hmm. in a little shop of horrors off Broadway. Yeah. And mm -hmm. after seeing him just crush uh, in an off Broadway theater, like I, I, I hope that um, New York and, and the theater community uh, continues to invest in off Broadway and build it up as a mm -hmm. livable place to work for everybody uh, because they're doing such amazing, amazing things at, at, at the West Side Theater. Like, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I mean, I would love to, to have a stint as, as Seymour. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and, All right. you know, yeah. I would. I was just going to ask if your schedule right now working on Blue's Clues, how much downtime do you have between seasons? Like how, 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 how can you, can you do other things while, or in between working on, uh, chunks of the show you know it's it's so funny we had the longest um uh we had the longest break we've ever had uh because of the movie and because of filming uh, just scheduling wise we we had a, like an eight month hiatus and we're i'm going back mm. to toronto in january mm. um and then we'll go in for another huge block and we finish up in september and like from september onward i i i have no plans i would love to do a musical um or even a short stint or a run. Uh, but no, it's it's something that I, you know, I thought that I wouldn't miss because like, I love my weekends and I love, <laughs> and I love seeing my, my, my wife and our dog. Uh, mm. But being in New York, seeing Some Like It Hot and seeing um, Strange Loop and seeing um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. If you haven't seen Little Shop of Horrors, go see that show. It mm. made me feel like I was a high schooler watching like my first Broadway show ever. I, I haven't gotten chills at a musical in a very long time. And it was such a special, special moment uh, and kind of like re-inspired me to be like, well, yeah, well, why wouldn't you want to do another, uh, another show if you got the opportunity? Mm, yeah. Well, uh, we will look forward to seeing you as Seymour or however else you uh, <laughs> appear on stage. Um, and in the meantime, we That's can right. catch you on Blues, Clues, and You and at, in Blues uh, Big City Adventure, uh, which is on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, thanks so much for chatting, Josh. It was great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Gord. That was Joshua De La Cruz, the host of Blues, Clues, and You, and the star of Blues Big City Adventure, now on Paramount+. Plus. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us grow our audience of folks who love theater as much as you and I do. Or tell a friend about StageCraft, or give us a shout-out on social media. Find past episodes and subscribe at all the pod purveyors, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is a great place to find more theater for your ears. Until next episode, find me on Twitter at GCoxVariety. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.